storm. Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 3, if you will. Mark, chapter 3. And we're going to stay in this book tonight, but I, I, I want you to look at verses 13 and 14 here of Mark, chapter 3. In fact, uh, uh, yeah, let's just read uh, verses 13 and 14 of Mark, chapter 3, and then we'll look at a few other verses in just a minute. Mark chapter 3, verse 13, And he, Jesus, goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve, that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach. And we read the names of these twelve in just a moment. Verse 16, Simon, he surnamed Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. Now, we recognize these names here, don't we? These are what we refer to as the 12 disciples, or in sometimes we might call them the 12 apostles. These were the men that traveled and worked with Jesus these three years of his earthly ministry. And these were men that had followed the Lord Jesus Christ. They had uh, given up perhaps their business, as we know Peter did, and Matthew and others, who it tells us exactly what they were doing when the Lord called them, and they followed the Lord Jesus Christ. That would have been quite an experience, would you not say? It would have been very interesting to have traveled with the Lord Jesus Christ and heard Him preach. When, when Jesus preached, they said, no man ever spake like this man. When he finished the Sermon on the Mount, they said, This man speaketh as one who has authority, and not as the scribes. He was a different kind of preacher that they had ever heard before. And these disciples had a front row seat at every service. And when the service was over, they could kind of pull Jesus aside and say, Lord, uh, explain that sermon to us. Remember how they would say, declare unto us the parable. He spoke to them in these, in these stories and parables, but they didn't always get it. And so they'd say, Lord, explain it to us. And he would. They had the opportunity to see the many miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would have been pretty, pretty amazing to, to watch Jesus walk on water. It would have been pretty amazing to see Jesus heal the sick or raise the dead back to life again. I mean, these men have experienced an amazing lifetime with the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of us would think it pretty special to be chosen as one of these 12 disciples. Just as we would think today, boy, it would be pretty special to be used in God's work in an amazing way somehow. We, we read about people in history, people maybe like some missionary like William Carey or a pastor like Charles Spurgeon, or we think of an evangelist like Billy Sunday, and we think, man, what would it have been like to be one of those kinds of people? One of those people that God just touched in an unusual way and brought great results as a, as a, as a result of their ministry. Well, let's just take a look at these men for a moment tonight. And make three observations about them. First of all, I want you to notice that they were a chosen remnant. They were a chosen remnant. These 12 were not in this group by accident. 
It was not happenstance that they just happened to start traveling with the Lord and following Him. No, they were chosen. The Bible says in verse 13, He goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto Him whom He would. In fact, this was not something they decided to do. Jesus called them. He, uh, he, he picked them out of the crowds that were all about him. Those that perhaps had come to hear him preach and watch miracles and be fed uh, 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 after the uh, uh, sermons and so on. The, Jesus called these people. He selected them on purpose and he had a purpose for each of them. I think of his conversation with a man named Nathaniel. Now, the Bible says in John 1 and verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and say that him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I knew thee. Isn't it an amazing thing that before we know anything about God, God knows us. Before we know anything about being saved or, or following Christ, the Lord already knows who we are. And the Lord has a unique plan, as we saw this morning, for each of us. You see, God sees us. He loves us. He's created us, designed us for a purpose. And God says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And you know what? It's hard to improve on perfect. Now, that word means complete. It means fulfilled. But it's hard to improve on perfect. If you get a perfect score on a test, you can't do any better than that. And so God's purpose, God's will for our life, for these men, was the perfect or the complete, the fulfilled word of God. Here was a chosen remnant. These people were hand-selected. They were hand-picked by the Lord Jesus Christ, by God Himself. But I want you to see, secondly, a curious resume. Now, when we think about someone that Jesus would pick, I mean, Jesus knew what they were going to face. He knew some of the, the difficulties that they would face against the enemies of Christ, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He, he knew all the enemies they were going to face. He knew some of the difficulties of travel and, and the things that they would experience. Remember, he told them, don't bring any food with you. Don't bring any clothes. Uh, you, you'll be taken care of. And Jesus knew all of the, the trials, the tribulations, the, the temptations that they were going to face. And so Jesus obviously selected some men that were going to be able to withstand, to have the, the, the grit, to have the stamina, to be able to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. These men must have been uh, of high character. I mean, to leave family, to leave their occupations, uh, to just put all that behind and follow the Lord Jesus Christ obediently. They had to be men of very high character, you'd think. They had to be men with a good work ethic. I mean, the Lord Jesus uh, tirelessly ministers to people throughout this three years, and these disciples are right by His side serving these men must have had great academic ability. I mean, they must have been, had good minds, able to think, able to comprehend, able to take what Jesus taught and be able to reteach it and re-preach it. 
They certainly must have had dynamic personalities. After all, this was not paperwork they were being called to do. This was people work. And they needed to know how to deal with people and all kinds of people. They were dealing with people who were demonic, who, who had unclean spirits within them. They were dealing with people that were sinners. They were dealing with people from all kinds of backgrounds. So certainly they must have had dynamic personalities. Certainly they were good speakers. They, they had uh, uh, super talents. They were physically gifted. Well, let's just take a look at their resume. We're just going to stay in the book of Mark. We could probably go through all of the Gospels tonight, but let's just stay in the book of Mark and notice the resume of these 12 men. Look at chapter 4 and go to verse 35. Chapter 4, verse 35. In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? So the first thing we notice on these disciples' resume is they were a bunch of scaredy cats. They were fearful and lacked faith. Let's look at chapter 6. Look at verse 47. The Bible says in verse 47, And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But they saw him walking upon the sea, and supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. So just prior to this incident on the water, Jesus had fed 5,000 people plus the women and children, the 5,000 men, plus the women and children, with five loaves and two fishes. They get into a ship. Again, they get into a storm. They're trying their best to navigate that storm. Jesus, walking on the water, again comes into the boat, stills the sea, calms the wind, puts all that to rest, and he says, what is your problem, gentlemen? Why are you afraid? What, what, did you forget that I just fed... 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes? You don't think I can handle a storm? Why are you so hard-hearted? So, so far, we got men that are fearful. They have no faith, and they're hard-hearted. Let's go on. We're just looking at their resume. Chapter 7, look at verse 17. And when he was entered into the house from the people... His disciples asked him concerning the parable. 
And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, and it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. These men were slow learners. He had already taught this, that, 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 that the food that they ate was not going to defile them. It was what was in their heart that defiled them. And now he, he taught them again about this. Why? Because they, 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 they were slow learners. They didn't get it the first time. Look at chapter 8 and verse number 13. And he left them and entered into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he said to them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? And again, he reminds them of the feeding of the 5,000. They were dull. They were forgetful. Look look at chapter 8 and verse 31. We see here that he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed And after three days rise again, and he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. They were men pleasers. They succumbed to peer pressure. When they got around Jesus, they were fine, but when they got around people, sometimes they caved. They were men-pleasers. Look at chapter 9, verse 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing 
but prayer and fasting. They lack power. Look at chapter 9 and verse 33. And he came to Capernaum. And being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. They were jealous. They were competitive. They were self-seeking. Are you starting to see yourself in, these, in this resume? Are you starting to see some of us in these men? Look at chapter 10, verse 13. And they brought in him young children, and that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said to them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. They lack compassion. Here were these young children that people were bringing that Jesus might meet them. And the disciples said, no, no, he's not interested in these kids. Get them out of here. They lacked compassion. Chapter 10, look at verse 23. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? They were filled with doubt. Look at chapter 14. Chapter 14. Look at verse 27. And Jesus said to them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I'll smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I'll go before you into Galilee. Peter saith unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. They were overconfident. Peter thought, There's no way I'll ever deny the Lord. Overconfident. Look at chapter 14, verse 32. I think we'll identify with this one. And they came to a place which was called Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he saith, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. They fell asleep during prayer. Has that ever happened to you? You ever fall asleep? Your intent was to pray. Your intent was to read the Bible, but your eyes were heavy and, and you didn't make it through your devotions. That was these men. Fell asleep in prayer. Chapter 14, verse 66. Peter was beneath in the palace. There cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not. Neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch and the cock crew. They were deniers. Look at chapter 16, verse 9. 
Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared unto first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him, and they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed her not. Unbelief. And we reach the pinnacle of all this in verse 14 of chapter 16. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Hard-hearted, unbelievers. Boy, this isn't the resume we were thinking it would be, is it? This isn't exactly the kind of people we would have called to follow Jesus, to be a a, a helper, to to be a companion of the Lord, to to be a servant to Him and to the people that He would minister to. We, We would have never picked these men. This is a very curious resume. But I want you to see thirdly tonight a compelling revelation. Now, in verse 14 of chapter 16, the Bible says He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. This kind of reaches a zenith here. The word upbraid is not one that we would use probably a great deal, but I think we all know that Jesus wasn't happy here. It's the same kind of a a, uh, disposition that we find when Jesus went into the temple and he found them making it a house of merchandise. Remember that? The, they, had the, the, they were selling the doves and they had the sheep in the temple and, and they were making uh, money off of all this and Jesus went in and, 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 he, and he threw the tables over and scattered the money and, and took a scourge of cords and drove out the animals and, and uh, he upbraids them because of making the house of God a place of merchandise instead of the house of prayer that he had established it to be. Here again, he upbraids them. He's angry. He's frustrated. He's kind of fed up. I'm up to here with this. Here were men that were fearful. They were hard-hearted. They were slow learners. They were dull and forgetful. They were men-pleasers. They lacked power. They were jealous. They were seeking their own. They they, They lacked compassion. They had doubt. They had pride. They had overconfidence. They fell asleep while they prayed. They denied they even knew the Lord. They were full of unbelief. Jesus is not happy. But look at the next verse. Verse 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is that amazing or what? He says to these men whose resume we would reject if we were looking for somebody to work for us. I mean, if somebody had on the resume all these negativities, we would say, you know, I don't think you're what I'm looking for here. I think a pastor was looking for an assistant pastor here to serve with him, and, and, and they, were, they, they, they fell asleep while they prayed, and they were proud, and they were overconfident, and they were jealous of, of a position and all that kind of thing. Pastors say, you know, I don't think you're what I'm looking for. But Jesus looked at these men, whom he was very frustrated with, no doubt. But he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You say, Brother Gatch, what's the point? God is not attracted to our strengths. He's attracted to our weakness. 
You know, too often we hide behind our weakness. We say, well, Lord, I can't serve you. I, I, I have some of these things. I mean, I, I get angry and I, I'm jealous and I, I have pride or I, I, I'm lazy sometimes. And Lord, I, I lack compassion and sometimes I don't really believe. And, and Lord, so I'm sure you're not looking for me. I mean, I, I just don't think I can serve you. And we hide behind a weakness. But that's exactly what God is looking for. You see your calling, brethren? How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. For God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and the weak things to confound the things that are mighty, and base things and things that are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things that are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. You see, if God does His work through our strengths, who gets the credit? We do. In other words, if God uses us in our strengths and our abilities to accomplish some great, we'd be walking around here saying, yeah, look what we're doing here. But you see, when we surrender our weakness to God and God takes and uses us in spite of that weakness, He gets the glory. Isn't that Paul, what Paul was trying to communicate to the Corinthian church? In chapter 2, he said, I, when I came unto you, I came not with enticing words of man's wisdom. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul, it's been mentioned today, but Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And we don't know what that thorn was. Many have tried to surmise as to what that actually was. Paul doesn't say what it was. So we would be presuming to, to say that we think we know what it was. But he had a thorn in the flesh. And Paul had besought the Lord thrice that it would depart from him. And I don't think he prayed at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, I, 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 you know, for a day and said, Lord, take this from me. I think there were three seasons in his life where he fasted and prayed and said, God, I... I'm getting worn out by this. This isn't working. This is a hindrance. Lord, please take this from me. I'd be so much better used by you if I could just get rid of this. And God said, no. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God said, Paul, the reason you have this thorn in the flesh is because the only way I can be strong in your life is through your weakness. Now, once Paul realized that, once Paul got that, you know what he said? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in reproaches and necessities. Uh, for when I am weak, then am I strong. In other words, Paul said, hey, give me another thorn. <laughs> you know, bring another problem on. Because the more of that I have, the more power I have for God. we got to get this concept that God wants to use our weakness, not our strength. I want to challenge you tonight to dedicate your weaknesses to the Lord. 
Give him that weakness. Don't use it as an excuse. Well, Lord, I, I'm just, I'm not real personable and I don't talk well. And I, I, I'm sure you don't want me to witness to anybody because I just, I have a hard time. I, I'm kind of timid. I'm kind of shy. Give that to the Lord and watch what he'll do. One of the first times I went soul winning in Lancaster, I took out our college students. It was the first year I was there and we would take them out on a, on a Tuesday night in a bus. There were only about 40 of them and we'd put them all on a bus and that afternoon, I had gone out to an area in Rosamond, and I had scouted out some streets and had some maps, and I thought this would be a perfect place to, to, to get all these kids out, knock some doors tonight, and so got them all on the bus and took them up to Rosamond, and we started dropping them off by pairs, two by two, you know, to take a street, and, and then we told them, now, uh, we'll pick you up at, at, at this time, and the next one's a few minutes later, and we were going to drop them all off and then basically start picking them up again, and, and, and so we dropped them all off. Our bus driver was a man named Chris. And Chris had been in a, an automobile accident. He, he had a limp. He, 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 uh, he, he, he couldn't walk very fast. Chris was very low-key. He was very shy, uh, very introverted. But Chris loved to drive the bus for anything there at the church. And I'd asked him to drive that bus that night. And, and we dropped everybody off. And I said, Chris, we got about 20 minutes before we need to start picking these kids up again. And I said, why don't, we, why don't you and I knock a couple of doors? He said, sure. So we got off the bus, and there was one little street there. It had houses just on one side of the street. And I thought, we'll just go down that row of houses. There were about 10 of them. And we'll quick hit these, and that'll you know, be, be about right. We'll come back, get on the bus, start picking kids up. And, and so I jumped off that bus, and I started quickly toward the first house. And Chris is way behind me. He's limping, you know. He can't walk very fast because he's got this, this problem with his leg. And by the time I got to the house, he was just, he was just turning up the sidewalk, you know. And uh, so I knocked on the door, and there was nobody home. And so we went to the next house, and I knocked on the door. There was nobody home. Went to the third house, knocked on the door, nobody home. Fourth house, guy was very belligerent, said, no, nah, I'm not interested in that. I don't, I don't believe in that. And he slammed the door. And we went to about eight of those ten houses. And, and it, it was just strike out, strike out, strike out, strike out. Nobody home or somebody's mad, wasn't interested. And I had been doing all the talking. Chris had just, you know, faithfully just come alongside and silent partner. And about that ninth house, I said, Chris, do you want to take a house? He said, sure. And so I stepped aside and he walked up to the house and he knocked about like this. I thought, come on, Chris, bang on the door. They're not going to hear that. And nobody did. And so he knocked again. About that loud. I thought, oh, boy, how did I get stuck with this guy, you know? Well, the door opened. And the man that answered the door was about 6'9". Huge man. Had a T-shirt. Looked like he had been working construction or something that day. Had several tattoos on his arms. Big, big, burly man. I thought, oh, no. Here's Chris. Now, Chris never looked up. He never looked up. He said, uh, good evening, sir. He said, my name is Chris. This is John. We're from Lancaster Baptist Church. I'd like to share the gospel with you. Do you know for sure? He's handing him a track. He said, do you know for sure if you were to die tonight, you'd go to heaven? I thought, this guy's going to slug Chris. He's going to land out in the street someplace. You know? And the man said, uh, no, I don't know where I'd go if I died. And Chris said, may I show you from the Bible? And do you know within about 20 minutes, Chris had led that man to Christ? 
And I went back to that bus and I thought, Lord, I, I thought I knew how to do this. And I thought surely you'd use me on the basis of what I know. I learned something that night. God's not attracted to my strengths. He's attracted to our weaknesses. Here were men fearful, hard-hearted, slow learners, forgetful, men-pleasers, lacking power, jealous, no compassion, doubtful, overconfident, prayerless, deniers, without faith to believe. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And do you know they did? And by the time we get to Acts 17, they had turned the world upside down. I wonder what God could do with our weaknesses. If we give him our weakness. Let's bow.